This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and it's the well, it's a couple of days before the apparently it's the biggest game of the season, QPR, the West London derby, or well, one of the West London derbies anyway. So we've got QPR coming to town, coming over to our part of London, have we not? Yeah, it's it will be Ian Holloway Cup final, you mean? It is the Ian Holloway Cup final because apparently Ian Holloway knows exactly how the teams are going to finish at the end of the season, which we might talk about a little bit later. But as we are here, we thought, to be quite honest with you, was this a three-point banker? We're not sure because we thought we'd come down to the Banker Pub, which is just around the corner from Monument Station, right on the river, absolutely wicked. We were here a few months ago. We were actually here before Chelsea is probably not the best, best home in, in the world. And we came here and it was all pitch black when we looked out, but lovely river as the boats are sailing past. But today we've come here, beautiful day, absolutely mobbed outside, absolutely mobbed inside. Um, but we've got a table overlooking the river, the river view, as, uh, as we just relaxed as the sun's going down. You say um, three-point banker, I was going to say it was probably a six-point banker. We've already done three points of them this year. We, we, we have indeed, you know, but, you know, we, 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 again, we, we can't presume anything nowadays, anyway. But anyway, my name's Billy Grant, I'm in the banker in, uh, in, in, in just around the corner from Monument. You can come down there if you want to. Absolutely fantastic, taken really, really, really good care of us. And I'm sitting around the table with a load of mates of mine as well, who are very excited. You can see they're tapping their fingers, they're, they're tapping their feet, they just, they, I mean, they just keep moving because they just, they just can't wait for Saturday for the big game. I'm here with Dave Lane, how are you doing, Dave? Keep on mo- moving, don't stop. Um, I'm good, I'm good. I'm back on our old stomping grounds. The FT is just behind me. We're right underneath Cannon Street Bridge. I've been in this pub many a times. And as you said, like last time we were here, it wasn't a really good omen. Because we got, we, got, we got mashed up, didn't we, at Chelsea without even really getting out of first gear. So, um, yeah, I'm really good because we had a really good trip up to Barnsley. Uh, last big northern away game of the season so really we're on the home stretch now two local derbies and then um, Blackburn Rovers to finish off so looking forward to the next three games mate. indeed indeed and I've got um, Jimmy Mack who's not been on the podcast I don't think at all this season Jimmy Mack how you doing? yeah um, good to be back on I've been, it's been yeah 
probably his first time of the season I've been on, actually. Yeah. You've been making babies, that's why, haven't you? I have. I've been, I've been just I'm too bloody virile. That's my problem. But, um, no, yeah, it's going to be back on. I've, I've come straight back. Yeah, like Dwight York. Thank you. Uh, yeah, come straight down from um, Newcastle. Want to be a bit of work up there today. And it was, it was funny how being back up there, I, it, was, it was such a good trip last time, despite the loss. I'd really forgotten uh, much about the day. And, I spent the last 24 hours piecing together almost the, the ghosts of the, uh, the previous visit earlier in the season. Uh, sort of hopeful Sunderland come down just so we can go back up to the North East. But yeah, anyway, slight tangent, but good to be here and um, looking forward to Saturday very much. Excellent, excellent. And then I've got the Lord Lou Can. Lou Can, how you doing? Good, good. Um, looking forward to our, run, our minnow running, minnow based running. Easy nine points as if we were Leeds fans. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's good to be here, uh, nice and bright. Um, nothing to play for apart from pride and um, ruining a couple of team seasons. Although QPR have already ruined their own for us. <laughs> and we've also, because we're we're not quite in enemy territory. We thought we could have done a podcast in West London, maybe Hammersmith, maybe Shepherd's Bush, maybe you know Ch- even Chiswick is sort of verging on there. But we thought no, let's come to slightly more neutral territory because in the middle of us we've got somebody sitting in our territory. We've got QPR. We've got Clive from Loft for Words on his very first Brentford podcast and. Uh, I hope you're looking forward to it, Clive. How are you doing? I'm, I'm wondering what I've let myself in for, and I'm also very underdressed compared to, uh, to Jimmy here, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm concerned about, about all of that, really. But uh... Jim, Jimmy actually always dresses up for the podcast. We actually tried to tell him it's, uh, it's radio and not TV, but he never listens to us. Yeah, no, I can, I can tell that. And I'm not expecting a lot from the game this weekend either. So why I agreed to this, I don't know. But I'm three points in, so I'm, I'm doing all right so far. I think. It's, 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 a very lov- it's a very lovely dress you've got on there, Jim. If I stand up, it's only the top half that you'll be impressed with. That's right, that's right. So listen, so listen, we're getting ready for the game at the weekend. But listen, we're going to talk about the game on Saturday. Or at the weekend, Friday. We always say Saturday, Friday. It's this bank holiday weekend they knock you off kilter. So it was a bank holiday weekend. Friday was Good Friday. And you know what? Brentford absolutely crucified Derby County on Friday. I mean, some of this may have happened on Good Friday, apparently. So uh, they crucified them on Friday, and then on, on Monday, again, we had a result, which was all right. But we were just talking about this amongst ourselves, and we were just thinking, you know, because it's that Easter weekend, that Easter weekend of crucifixion and resurrection, are there any players or any teams that you know that have been absolutely crucified and then have just been resurrected later on? Laney? Uh, the one that, one that jumps out, the one that's very timely, is um, Jack Bonham, I'd say. He's, he's been crucified um, for his performances up until Easter Monday, and he rose like some sort of Peter Shilton. Um, and and he, he, was, he was stunning on, uh, on, on Easter Monday up at Barnsley. He, he pulled off a couple of real worldies, tipped one onto the bar. Um, the goal that went in was nothing to do with him, and he really seems to have a silenced his critics, which I have to. I'll put my hands up, and I'll be honest. Um, I saw his name come up, and I thought, "Oh my God!" And um, he looked like a proper goalkeeper. And um, you know, just just seeing um, Richard Lee's comments about uh, about him on, on Besotted afterwards, you know, he just said like, "Give him a chance. He, he, he could go all the way. He's a Premiership goalkeeper. So maybe maybe he's one that's maturing." So yeah, he's been crucified and he's resurrected himself. And you know, I don't think there's any ever need to look at his name and, and be worried again. Jimmy Mack. Well, um, I'm going to go with a, the centre half dynamo from the, the glory years of uh, I don't know, it's Terry Butcher actually, but Big Matty Haywood. Um, 
He used to be shite, but now he's all right. It's only one mate, Hayward. And uh, yeah, now there's a man who who was an absolute cart horse for one season, and then the next year becomes the rock, the steer. The steel that burnt, that bound our defence together so much so that he had a prestigious two-year contract at Swindon, and um, we were, yeah, the the song, the, the bittersweet song that the crowd loved to see and get stuck into him with, it scarred him for life. And I, I remember reading an interview with him, and we, we mentioned it briefly uh, earlier. How, uh, yeah, he part of the reason he decided not to stay with Brentford after his good form was because he didn't want his family hearing that song sung anymore. So, which song's that? He used to be shite, but now he's all right. Something like that, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my, that's, that's my nomination. Clive. Well, if, you want, if you want a QPR theme to this, uh, Paul Furlong signed for QPR on a free transfer from uh, Birmingham City very uh, well, in theory, towards the end of his career. And he uh, turned up injured and never really got fit and uh, with the Chelsea connection as well he, uh, he really got it in the neck from the uh, QPR fans missed a couple of penalties we went out the FA Cup to Vauxhall Motors there was a point after a 3-0 defeat at Notts County where I thought the fans were actually going to go on the pitch and, uh, and have words with him he was, when he was fit to play it was dreadful, uh, and uh, you know, most of the time he just he just didn't turn up. We used to talk about furlong sabbaticals, little six-week absences with not a lot wrong with him. Uh, and then suddenly, um, sort of January, February time came in, scored a goal at Chesterfield off the bench, scored the week after at Northampton, scored the week after that. Couldn't stop scoring. By the end of the season, we won the playoff semi-final against Oldham. He got the goal. Year after, in the promotion game at Chef Wednesday, he got the goal that got us up. Went into the first division championship now, um, got 18, 19 goals in the season as a 36 year old. Now considered a legend at QPR, but at the start of his career, it was all the you know Chelsea scum, get out of my club. And uh, yeah, and uh, he's back at QPR as a coach now, and his, uh, his son plays right back for us and is also quality. So now considered a legend at QPR, but at his start was ropey. The Luke Hen. Well, uh, mine would be Philip Hoffman. He, he's been crucified, and uh, I'm still waiting for him to rise. Preferably at a corner or a free kick. Anything, anything. A, a youth game, an under-14s game. I don't know. Get up on a seat in the pub and sing a song. Just do something to save your career. And uh, for me, back in the day, as then I was just thinking, I was talking about um, wasn't um, Batesy, Batesy, and it was uh, Keith Millen. Oh my God! When Keith Millen started at Brentford, he was uh, he wasn't he wasn't great at all. And he used to get absolutely panned and really, really caned. But he came through to become an absolutely fantastic defender and he moved on to uh, manager Watford and all sorts of stuff. So that's all I remember. The old the Billy. Billy is Billy in them days as well. So Billy. yeah, he was, he, was, he was around for a while. But he, you know, as they say, sometimes you, you've got to do your training. You've got, to, you've got to get your feet under the table and make a load of mistakes. And he definitely did that in his early days. But anyway, the resurrection is here. The crucifixion was at the weekend. Derby came down, the Rams came down the pub, they were all over the pub beforehand, they were enjoying themselves and uh, it was an absolute and total laugh because we crushed them 4-0 and uh, well they didn't come back to the pub after, well they did come back a bit later which is all good, then after that we went to Barnsley and it was a one-all, a little one-all game up there as well, so listen, we're going to go back and listen to what the fans had to say in the pubs after the game against Derby and after the game against Barnsley. Yeah, what wonderful football we played today. Uh, Sawyer's had a good game. Ryan Woods had another great performance until he got uh, the bang on the head. Um, 
they all played well. Uh, and we really didn't look like conceding a goal, and I'm pleased that he got his clean sheet because he deserved it. We're so good going forward. The fullbacks are like are like wingers. We play with four wingers basically, and then on, off the bench we've got another one. Sorry, uh, it's superb. Did I forget to mention Rico Henry, who had a, an amazing game? If he stays. Brentford's first England cap for a long, long time. It was really hard to pick a man of the match today because I think everybody was at a fairly good level. There was, you know, passing around the thing. Defence were good. Woods, obviously, in the first half was covering well at the back. And it was good. It had a lot of go forward. And we kept looking hungry for it. We didn't settle at 2-0 as we have done in the last couple of times. We kept going, and that was the good thing. And that's, I think, something that's going to stand us in good stead going forward. This season, one of my most favourite performances, because we did it for both halves. We've been saying all season, Brentford, when they're great, they're great, and then they switch off. We're inconsistent. We played for 45 minutes. Well, today we played for 90, and we played wonderfully. Got Marcus Gale in the house here, and, and today... Was 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 a was a game today, Marcus. I mean, I can't say any more than that. This, this was a game today. Brentford actually outshone themselves, didn't they? I think when when big teams come to Brentford, is that they step it up even more. Um, I think today was the first time where you've seen ninety minutes that was solid, composed, <laughs> and and all the ingredients that was needed. Oh, you deserved the win today. Uh, I think we were only good for about fifteen minutes in the second half, and that, and that was about it. Not good enough for us, and you know, I think it shows where we are. You know, we're not ready to go up, so in a way, I think for a lot of us, it's glad uh, that playoff hopes are now distinguished. Well done. We'll see you next year. Having all them players means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You need fighters, you need battlers, you need talent. We have too much talent. There is the squad, too top-heavy, particularly in midfield. Um, you know, you look at a lot of the, the, the players that we've got, they can walk in perhaps into any championship team, but they don't gel, and that's the problem. You look at, you know, like what you guys have got, or you look at other teams that are up there, they've got fighters and they've got battlers. We don't have that, and that's the difference. That's where we are, where we are. There is t- you, c- you can't afford to be having Darren Bent on the bench, Vidra on the bench, Butterfields, the Johnsons, the Will Hughes. You can't afford to have them on the bench, and that's the problem. We are too top-heavy. Where have they gone? Where have they gone? There's a big gap in the garden here because there there is, there this there place, the, the pub was packed before, full of rams. Um, it was rammed. Jo- it was rammed. It was rammed. Now it's who are you? You know. So uh, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so they're up there. There's not there's not many rams in the pub at the moment now, but maybe they, maybe they got lost on the way from the ground to <laughs> here when they left at halftime. We need a sheepdog. We need it. We need a sheepdog. Maybe a sheepdog called Vibe or or Yotta to round them up and yeah. And then take, take them where they don't they don't need to go. It's lovely, lovely. Uh, it's great, great to warm up ending a team in white and black season uh, a couple of weeks before we play Fulham. It was an all-round confident, uh, more than confident, more, more than confident. Sorry, yeah, no, 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 more than confident performance from the bees today. Credit to everybody involved with it. And actually, and again, you know, because I've been coming up with a few surprises lately. Have to say, full credit to Harley Dean, who I thought was man of the match today, despite not scoring a goal, although he should have done. I thought Brentford were magnificent today. We had a little spell in the second half where we took our foot off the gas. Derby, Derby got into it. I have to say, I think the turning point was Dan Bentley. He made a save. Um, again, it was it was a chance against a run of play. I think that was we realised we needed to up it even more, and we and we did exactly that. The third, the third and fourth goals were just out of the top drawer. I think Yotta absolutely took the piss for the fourth goal. I think Derby today were taught a footballing lesson and. They really, they've gone home with their towels between their legs. They, they, they know that if they want to come up, 
they can't be playing like that. It's not going to happen just because they were a big club. And um, I'm not sure we'll get credit, but Brentford today were magnificent. Happy Easter. Teams like Barnsley, yeah? Teams like Barnsley, yeah? Teams like, teams like Brentford. Yeah, no, I thought it was a very good performance. Obviously, we'll be disappointed to not come away three points, bearing in mind we missed a penalty. Um, I thought it was a very good game. It started off a bit cagey, and then it's one of those funny end-of-season games where sometimes they're cagey, and then second half, both teams just kind of relaxed and just played game. It was actually, it was actually an entertaining match. Second half, they come out of a different team. Different team. It was unbelievable. We lost the first ball. We was never winning anything in the first half. But the second ball, we got on top of it. We should have won it. But you know, off the back hill of Derby. But today we should have we should have won it, but it was just unfortunate. It was a different team in the second half. It was fantastic. We won every ball. Def- and I thought Jack Bonham played fantastic and fantastic. And also remind Shaws, I've been his biggest critic for this season. The last five games, he's won over the fans. He's been fantastic. Very organised. Uh, I was just saying, uh, I think they're one of the better teams we've played this season. They're good on the break. They're quick. They're strong. They're powerful. They get they're, they're young as well. Yeah. They get it, they're direct, they get it in the box. They had quite a few clear, sh- clear chances today, quite a few clear shots. When we had our spell after the half-time, that 10 minutes where we just killed them, we should have put the game to bed there. But apart from that, pretty even game. I think they're going to do well next season. I think we're going to do well next season. They're definitely one of the better teams we've played. Yeah, I thought they played really well right to the end. But it was a bit one way in the first half. Yeah, a bit unlucky. Should have got more, really, shouldn't we? I think we matched each other, but I think second half, Bill, I think, I think we were the team playing the better football. I think once we started playing the football, Barnsley resorted to a little bit long ball. Um, I was impressed by their 40. I'm not sure his name, but the number 40 out in the left wing looked a very good footballer. But... Um, and I thought Jack Bonham did well. I thought Jack Bonham, very good game in goal. Um, possibly a mistake for the goal. One other handling error. Other than that, very well played. And a lot of Brentford fans, I think, when they saw his name on the team sheet today, probably feared the worst. Probably feared a few goals conceded, but, but it didn't happen. Um, well, we got a tweet from a Barnsley fan who said Brentford keeper is unreal. Well, three or four very good saves. Two one-on-one saves were... Top, top draw, top draw. So, yeah, can't fool the guy. Yeah, well, that's what I say. We, it was a slow, we were slow out of the box the first 20 minutes, maybe for the first half out. But once we got going, once Joseph Soon scored that goal, a beautiful through ball from Jota, I mean, well, I think there was only one team in it. I mean, I, th- I think if that had been that first half would have gone off for another five minutes, we'd have scored again. We was all over at that stage. Never, I wouldn't blame him for missing the or he missed it. So, you know, it's one of those things, it? it was a good save. Was it a good save or was it a bad penalty? Well, I thought it was a good save. Oh, well, I'm not going to knock Jota, am I? <laughs> I'll get lynched. <laughs> no, I'll settle for a point here to get six points off them clowns. I'll tell Especially QPR. I'll say, the way we're playing, we're capable of beating anybody. You know that. You've been watching it for the last three months, four months. We'll give them a game. UBs. UBs. So that were the fans in the pub. After the Derby game, after the Barnsley game, but both games actually, the fans were actually pretty buoyant. Uh, well, the Peace fans are buoyant anyway, and the Barnsley fans are pretty good. The Derby fans were really upset actually, but you can't blame them because uh, they came to that match expecting to hit the playoffs. They were really, really confident they were going to hit the playoffs, and it didn't quite happen for them. And uh, I think we all knew beforehand that it wasn't going to happen for them. Not saying we we're going to beat them 4 0. But I think, like I said beforehand, we've been there, we've been up there in the playoffs, so you kind of know the level that you need to have to hit the playoffs, and I don't think Barbley were anywhere near that. So the fact is that even if they got a result against us, you know, they were kind of scraping into the playoffs more than actually kind of charging in there. And, um, yeah, so that was quite interesting as well. But, I mean, we were, we were all quite jolly after that match, and we stayed around in the pub for, for quite a while, didn't we? Yeah, we had one or two cold drinks after that, Wayne. Uh, do you... 
I, I thought Derby was, again, you know, it's a, a saying that I've heard several times over the last couple of months was that's the best football I've seen down at Griffin Park for X years and insert a number. And it was, again, Derby was up there. You know, we, we've seen some really brilliant flying football, but probably for 70 minutes or for 45 minutes, but that was a 90 minutes performance and there was some real great emerging talent there. Uh, typically of Brentford they didn't replicate it on the Monday and you know we went up to Barnsley and it wasn't a terrible performance it wasn't even a bad it was a, it was a fairly decent performance but you know we, we've we've not really got that consistency and you kind of I looked at the results over the weekend and I looked at the league table and I saw Reading in third place and I thought how oh, the bloody hell with Reading in third place because like we've we've wiped the floor with them and twice almost you know we, we beat them at home and then we should have done them up at the Majeski but they, they've obviously got that consistency they're consistently better. they're consistently slightly better than average, which which is good enough to get you in a healthy playoff. And they and they've also got some luck, obviously, this yeah, season. They probably have got some luck this season. So, but you know, so so that's so we we haven't we haven't actually got to improve massively to, to be in that playoff shake-up next year. I think we just need to be more consistent, and I don't think we need to be more average. I think we just need to play our uh, this A game, this kind of this. this Front foot, mat, uh, front foot game. So yeah, I was, I was a little bit underwhelmed at Barnsley. I, I, I actually, I actually expected us to go and uh, you know just to, to not play them off the park because Barnsley are no mugs. But I, I, I thought we'd go there and win. So a draw in the end wasn't a bad result, but you know a good Easter. Yeah, it was a good weekend, wasn't it? Easter has been been good for us for a few years on the, on the, on the trot now, really. Um, you think of sort of the promotion and being Fulham a couple of years ago on the big one on the, on the Friday, but yeah, I mean, Derby was a fantastic performance. I, I actually disagree slightly with people who said it was a ninety minutes, a ninety minute performance. I thought for the first twenty, well, I still thought we had a foothold in the game. I didn't think we were actually you know, dominating. Derby had their chance to get into the match and, and uh, take the game to us and. And they, they just didn't really look up for it. Same old Derby. A lot of players on, good, on big reputations, big money. Ints, you know, even Richard Keogh, who's now played at European tournaments. You know, big reputation, big money probably. It's not, not up for it. Being uh, played off the park by us. And it, it became a 20-minute battle to us. Slow taking advantage to absolutely taking a piss. Any, uh, any, any thoughts Derby had of going up were well and true. Not just, it wasn't, it wasn't like a counter being blown out. It was like a counter. It was like a... It's like a tea-like candle being put out by a tsunami. That was how their playoff hopes were dealt with on a Friday. Fantastic day. On the, um, I mean, on Derby, they're up there for me with Leeds as a club with a massive sort of self-importance uh, issue. There's nothing to back that up over the last 25 years, and the annual Derby meltdowns are a highlight for me. They've got too many bad apples in the dressing room, and they've also got too many accident-prone players like Richard Keogh. Uh, so I, I did find it amusing that they, they lost at Derby. On the Reading thing, we've outplayed Reading twice this year as well. And I don't understand how Reading are third. But on the, the Brentford consistency thing, that Easter weekend when you play Friday, Monday, how many changes did Brentford make? I, I'm sorry for not knowing. How many changes did Brentford make at Barnes? I think it's, it's very difficult to play well on the Friday and the Monday, I think, over that weekend. QPR succeeded in playing shit on the Friday and the Monday. So we were nice and consistent. That, that, yeah, we've got that, got that consistency that you haven't got. But how many changes did Brentford make at Barnsley? Was that a factor? Four, four um, and, and probably, probably a factor, yeah. And, you know, to be fair, you know, to be fair, and without making this sound like our cup finals, the next two fixtures are way more important. You know, they are. Well, yeah, the way of, yeah what can you say? Who are you? 
Lambs to the Slaughter, Ramshackle Derby, uh, the punnery was there, puns was there as well, which was nice. Um, yeah, and we, we, we ended a team's outside, outside chance of going up. Very, I, I actually, like a trotter penalty, I hit the bar just before the game and I, I, watched, I watched most of the game on the big screen in the hive. Uh, giving me a totally different view of it, and we 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 moved that ball so quickly from from left to right, and uh, I was going to say yeah, the turning point. They they, they sort of they, they threw they threw the kitchen sink at us, and then after 10, 15 minutes, David Bentley made one save, and it was almost like they'd punched themselves out. Uh, we stepped up another gear, and I mean this, you know, I don't I don't know what's happened at the club behind the scenes to why we've got all these wingers in suddenly in January. I don't know what happened, but. Uh, change of formation we, we are a different team and it's, people, people just they can't cope with the, with, with the overlapping like Rico Henry was just was just brilliant as well he was just he just uh, you know it, it, we're net, we're net, we are proving that that attack is the best form of defence and they didn't like her up I mean we signed Jake Bidwell from you in the side. I was even though he came injured or came and got injured I was massively jealous of that Rico Henry signing I saw a lot of him for Walsall last year I thought he looked absolutely brilliant in that position we sign Bidwell from you and you get Rico Henry for less money that's sort of very typical of what's gone on at QPR and Brentford in recent years but it doesn't surprise me to hear that he's playing really well and, and yes I mean the, we talked about it and everyone's talked about you know, it was great but up at Barnsley as well as you heard the phrase on the, on, the, on the podcast as well teams like Barnsley and it's the phrase that Barnsley use because they basically say that teams come to them and they get really surprised when Barnsley actually outdo them and they say teams like Leeds, teams like Derby, teams like Sheffield Wednesday, they say, we can't be beaten by teams like Barnsley. Um, and they put us into the same bracket as that, as teams like Brentford. You can't be beaten. We shouldn't be beaten by teams like Brentford. And that's exactly what happened on, on Good Friday. And it was a very good Friday as well. Um, what I would say about Barnsley, and I know we say that, you know, is a bit of a downer. But also, I just, I actually thought that Barnsley were really organised. Barnsley were really organised at the way they play. Especially in the first half, they took the game to us. Second game, actually, we actually, Brentford had a really good game. But it was just one of those ones where if you look forward to next season, you think these are the games that you've got to try and win. Because when you've got somebody who you're playing against who is actually really organised and they've kind of got your game plan sorted, so you need to do a little few tricks to get around them. That is a typical kind of game where technically you probably could win or you should win, teams like Barnsley, but you don't necessarily win. And you've got to work it out you know, how, 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 how to do it. And I think that is the key for us next season because it's great going and smashing the floor with Derby when they're kind of whatever but it's actually sorting out teams with managers who are underrated who are probably quite organised with a team that is quite passionate and up for it and we have to go we need to take it to them Are you saying that we should be beating teams like Barnsley? <laughs> I'm saying these up Barnsley is teams like Brentford that's what I'm saying And, and I, I want to actually uh, just uh, mention quickly I know we touched on the Jack Bonham performance earlier but the way, like, Bonham has, Bonham's had, like, three years of stick. And, he, you know, he's, he's, he had a few calamity games. But when he put a message on Twitter, and he'd written that he'd, he'd, done, the, he'd done the message that he'd written in his notes page on the iPhone, screenshotted it and posted it as a photo. And what did he say? Well, but people, like, people usually, usually only reserve that method of expanding 140 characters on Twitter for, like, eulogies, um, leaving, leaving clubs. Now, this, this is clearly... A guy who he's read every single message, and you've seen a lot of people who have given him a stick and they've, and they've tagged him in unnecessarily to the bit of stick they've given him on Twitter. And he's, you can tell he's read it all, and this was like 
probably a real personal moment of redemption for him. And what did he say? Because some people might not have heard the message. So. Yeah, we basically just said that he'd, he'd, it's been a really hard three years for him, and he and he he, he acknowledged that that it's, it's been a hard time, and he's had hard times to come through. And he's been getting, he, had, he had a lot of you know faith shown by him from the coaching team. He thanked Simon Royce, he thanked the manager and the fans, and he's had a lot of skip. He also mentioned yeah. as well. And yeah, he acknowledged head on the stick he's had, and and he almost sort of acknowledged the fact he probably um, you know accepted it as well deserves it probably didn't but he accepted why he had it and it marked, I hope it really marked a turning point in his, in his life because, or career should I say because his problem must be that mentally he struggles to get on there and perform he's done it now I wish the boy luck I hope he goes and go, you know, can, can, can replicate that performance and he's got to go strength to strength from here he's still a young man Okay, why don't we why don't we raise our glasses to Jake Bonham? Let's, let's have a cheers to Jake Bonham. Well done, well done, mate. Cheers, 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 cheers to Jake Bonham. One thing I would say wasn't that the young, the youngest average team in the championship in Barnsley against the second youngest in Brentford as well on Monday. I think it probably so was because looking, looking, looking rosy for both teams. If, if both teams can hang on to whoever we need to hang on to. Can you uh, is uh, you leaving Bentley out this weekend? <laughs> we're not sure <laughs> we're not sure about that but we will see ok well if you could that would be great but on the uh, Barnsley when they played at Loftus Road lost but their oldest player was 26 and they were brilliant to watch and they beat us at theirs and I think the key word in your teams like Brentford teams like Barnsley thing is team their teams built with an idea and an ethos and they go about their business Brentford do Barnsley do it's not enough to be a big name and spend loads of money in this division. Barnsley know exactly what they're doing. They've lost loads of players this season as well. Bigger clubs have come and picked their players off. And they're still doing it. They just attack. It's a good young team. They know what they're doing. And it's the same at Brentford. If you asked a Premiership fan to name certain teams, to name a star player from, from, from teams like Huddersfield and Barnsley as well. Barnsley just didn't have the stamina. They were overperforming. There's a lot of teams that don't have a superstar player. They don't have like teams like Derby. They get they get stuck on their Darren Bents, or other teams get stuck on hanging on to people like Chris Martin, and and they're paying Premiership wages. But then there's a lot of this year's actually been a lot tighter. We, uh, 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 I mean, maybe Yap Sam is is the big name player at Reading, but he, he you know, oh, oh God, John Swift, boo, or Lewis Graben, who's he? Uh, but yeah, these, these players, you know. It, it seems it seems to be like, like Dave was saying. We we were one month in hindsight now. We might we might finish the same place as last year. We might have been one good month away, four wins or three wins and a draw away from the playoffs, which is really that is tantalising. You know, when you just think if we just copped on in October rather than copping on in January, then we'd have had a good we'd had a really good pop this year. And it shows you it shows you also what an amazing this amazing division this is because like teams like Burton maybe staying up in, in place of teams like Nottingham Forest and that, that is that's a, that is an amazing amazing thing it's a, it's a team over individual the championship now, there's some clubs in here with ridiculous financial resources I mean look at what Villa have spent this year and where they are in the league compared to what Huddersfield has spent and where they are like a team a well managed team sort of cultivated over time can still do well in this division over a club that just likes to sign big name individuals this sort of brings raises the point at like how, how much would Brentford have to spend, or or how much would we have to get in the red to have a real full pop, especially at promotion, like automatic promotion. So there we go. Teams like Derby, teams like Barnsley, teams like Brentford, teams like QPR. Basically, it's about teams, and we're talking about promotion. We're talking about spend. We're talking about teams, and we're now going to talk about Brighton, who've just been promoted to the Premier League, 
and the cost of promotion to the Premier League and what you have to do in the Championship now to get promoted after this twang. So, a couple of weeks before the end of the season, probably two or three weeks before the end of the season, we've already got our first promotion. Brighton and Old Albion, very good sides. You know, last season they were, at, they were spitting distance from going up. They were absolutely gutted. Sheffield Wednesday picked them to the post. Personally, I thought Sheffield Wednesday uh, or Brighton were a better side than Sheffield Wednesday and they should have actually been there. But Brighton got picked to the post in the semi-final last year. But they vowed that they're going to go up. And my good mate Ralph Brown, who we talk to every year on the podcast and he writes on the, uh, on the fanzine and everything like that. Um, he's living in America at the moment now, but he wrote in our pre-season blog. And we talked to all the, the bloggers and said, how are you going to do this season? And Ralph said, we're going to be number one. And I thought, yeah, right, Ralph, that's a little bit much, mate. You've got Newcastle, you've got Norwich, you've got, you know, a few teams there. But he said to me, Billy, I said we're going to be number one. Was I arrogant or was I confident? And to be fair, it was spot on. So Brighton got promoted, their fans are happy, they've got the new stadium. So everything seems to have happened just at the right time for Brighton. But this is not knocking them, but if you have a little look around, there's been a few little facts and figures flying around about Brighton's promotion. People have been saying, yes, they got promoted, but it isn't like, oh, you know, how this little team got promoted, you know, out of nowhere. Brighton have actually spent some to make sure they've got their, their, their owner, Tony Bloom, who, as we know, is, is, is in a similar game to, uh, to, to what our owner is into. But, you know, he does different things, but he's, he's into that whole statistical game. He's got his own company that does that stuff, but he's a very, very secretive man. But he's also a very, very rich man as well, and he has pumped a whole heap of money into Brighton. The World on Three is uh, the last amount, is, uh, I think they're about £190 million in the red, Brighton. Um, and the figures have come out because obviously uh, all the coal the company's put in their, 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 their accounts to company's house. And I think Brighton lost, I think it was, um, was it 40 odd million this year again. Um, something like that. I think Brighton lost 40 odd million again this year to add, so it's got them up to 190 million. But they're in the Premier League now, so they'll be getting 120 odd million in from that, and they can start building as if they stay in there, which is all good. But Brighton, promotion, yes, it's a good thing, but the question we're also asking here is as the championships get tougher, you've got these teams coming down with parachute money as well, and you're looking to compete. You look around as well, you've got all these people, businessmen investing. Sheffield Wednesday have got a big investor in there. You've got these Chinese companies coming into Aston Villa, to, to, to Wolverhampton Wanderers, to even Birmingham City, who have just sacked their manager the other day, and they've put in Harry Radnep, so he'll be taken. Actually, I shouldn't say anything because it's all libelous anyway. But anyway, we shall move on from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. So, listen, but what I'm saying is that how... How difficult is it now and how much money do you have to spend? We're just going to analyse a couple of the figures out that we're flying around at the moment now um, to just be successful in the Premier League. Well, oh, Sorry, in the Championship. Yeah, in, in the Championship. I mean, first of all, obviously congratulations to Brighton. I mean, they've had, the fans had a, uh, have had a 20-year battle from being almost out of, out of, out of you know, business. Really. The club was taken away from their town and had all sorts of trouble and, and they've made it and we can talk about the uh, the debt they have and what they've spent, but ultimately they've, they've achieved their goals. It's really hard to knock it, and they've come out with a new stadium, a stadium which they fill up quite regularly. A lot of season ticket holders and the away fans like going to, so it's going to be a success story. But um, and Brighton are another. We spoke earlier about teams, and they're a, they're a team. You know, I don't think they're a team of stars really. Not not Hartley got he emerged over this season as being a real star. And, I think Brighton have done well this year. Probably the best team I've seen us play. Uh, definitely Griffin Park. Anyway, look, a really hungry, physical, but skillful team. Uh, so I haven't got a problem with Brighton going up. I think they've done well. 
we spoke about the figures that have come out this year. I mean, Brighton are, and it's hard to pour over these figures because there's so much. It's 12 months on, and the game moves so fast that, that it's, it's hard to put it in perspective. But so what you're saying, because these figures are actually from uh, 2016, so they're from a year ago, really, aren't they? Yeah, so it's, it's season 2015-2016 figures that we get to look at now. So the football seems to have moved on already, but the, the stand-up numbers there really aren't the teams that have done well. It's really not Brighton. It's the likes of Forrest and Derby, who you can see have thrown serious money, serious cash at their wages. Are still no closer to uh, achieving their goal for Premier So just, just give us an example of the figures for these teams as well, because a lot of people haven't seen that. And what we're going to try and do is we'll put this up on besotted.co.uk or on the information block on this podcast as well, so you can actually have a little look at the link. Um, because this is from the Swiss Ramble, absolutely excellent blog, very analytical, and he just writes about the economics of football. I mean, like, well, the, the thing that stands out to me are, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's a graph about wages to turnover, and Brentford are right on top of that. Um, 166% of the turnover is spent on wages, so that goes to how, how, how much we overspend. We sort of acknowledge that, and our, 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 our turnover and spend is smaller than most. But not the Forest are there with us toe-to-toe. 166% of turnover. But their wage bill for this, this last season, 31 million. Derby's 32 million. So these are teams that are gambling. They're gambling on the Premier League last year, and it hasn't happened. And it hasn't happened again this year. Forest might go down. And that sort of wage bill. I mean, what's, I mean, do you want that as a fan? Well, this is interesting. And just to give people examples of some figures out there. So the, the wage bill uh, league table as it is. At the top of the wage bill league table is, interestingly, QPR with a wage bill of 41 million. Okay, then below that, number two is Fulham. Number three is with 36 million. Cardiff with 34 million. Derby with fifth with 32, um, sorry, uh, 32 32, uh, 32 million, Reading 31 million, Forest 31 million, Brentford are actually 15th on 18 million, and the bottom two, three clubs were uh, PE, Rotherham, and uh, Franchise have gone down obviously between 11 and 9 million they spend a year on their wages, which is, like I said, too, an, an interesting figure as well. And also, Elena, you're going to be talking about the, 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 the championship. Oh, you've got the revenue, you've got the revenue as well. Um, we need the revenue as well. But also, the, yeah, the re- sorry, the revenue that's coming in as well is uh, QPR. So this is the money that they take in from all sorts of avenues, including parachute payments, including your tickets, your sponsorship, everything. QPR at the top of the revenue, money they take in, 42 um, million. Then you've got Fulham, 36 million, Cardiff, 33 million. Leeds, 30 million. Then you've got Wolves, Reading, Brighton, Derby and Blackburn right up there as well. The Bs that are actually at the bottom of the league table of revenue, 11 million with uh, Preston as well. Um, so yes, so that's where we're at the bottom of that, um, which is which is I think is an interesting sign as well. I think you know you're naive. Anyone's naive to think that you can get out of this division without spending ridiculous amounts of money, and you know it's how that money is spent which is the most important thing. You spend it wisely, and you can and you can do it with some sort of structure. And you, and, you, and you can do it in a way that's cutting edge and, and, and pushing the boundaries of analytics and coaching. Um, you know, Bournemouth didn't get out of this division by, by fluke. You know, they, you know, we look at them as teams like Bournemouth. Bournemouth spent a lot of money to get out of it too, so, and, and Brighton have. But, you know, you, you, what, they, what they're doing is spending the money wisely. They're, they're, they're spending it in a way that... It, 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 it's cultivating and, and they're embracing they're, they're not selling their soul to do it it wouldn't seem well it's interesting you say you spend it wisely and, I, not, and maybe you might just check these figures while we're chatting here as well I've got a, I have a feeling with Bournemouth uh, when they went up as well 
Because it seems to be a tendency, what you have to do is that you spend and all of a sudden the teams look at it and they think, tell you something, this is our window. So the teams that have got money, they'll go for it and they'll spend. They'll spend, spend, spend. So say for example, this year, Brighton's probably spent a load of money and maybe they flaunted FFP, but they made it think, you know, tell you something, we'll take the final. And I think, if I remember rightly, Bournemouth, even though they went up, from what I can gather, I think they flaunted FFP, so they got fined on top of the, what they've got. So their fines actually go into their, their costs and stuff like that. Um, Clive? I mean, I would say it as a QPR fan, but financial fair play is a nonsense. If everybody uh, applied FFP, then you just finish in the, in the order of your revenue. And I don't think anybody wants to see that division. Because teams like Preston, teams like Brentford wouldn't be as high as they are under FFP. It's that, that regulation, I think, is a know-your-place regulation, which just makes the bigger clubs stronger all through the league. I, th- I think FFP is a nonsense. If you look at Brighton, what have they spent their money on? They've got a brand-new training ground, a brand-new stadium. They've invested in infrastructure. And they've made a gamble on getting to the Premier League, and they're there. And they deserve that. There's an excellent uh, chapter in one of David Conn's books about crew, who you would think would be the, uh, the typical club that would like financial fair play regulation. But the chairman at crew was saying, if we decide one season to make a gamble on going up a division, we should be allowed to do that without being punished. And I think that's right. And that's all Brighton have done. They've invested in infrastructure. They've also invested in players. And they've got everything they deserve. They, uh, they're the second best team after Huddersfield we've played this season. They've been brilliant, and they deserve everything they get. Considering, I mean, you guys have obviously been to the with Dean, you know, there was uh, Gillingham before that. It doesn't, you know, you don't get from there to where they are now for free. So they've spent some money, they've gambled on it, but they've spent money on the right things rather than what QPR did, which was just making rich footballers rich. And yeah, I, I just want to um, come in that pretty quickly about but the, the crew point there. It's, with financial fair play, I, I can see, I can see, I agree with your point. I think. The problem really is about having the right owners. The right owners should be allowed to take the right risks. It's the wrong owners taking the wrong risks where the problem lies. And that's where the regulation should be. It shouldn't be about sensible people making a sensible call. Enforce the fit and proper person test. Don't do financial fair play. Have a really strict test for owners of football clubs. Not Ignore financial fair play. Just make sure you've got the right people owning football clubs for the right reasons. I mean, we're all talking about Brian's promotion as if it's confirmed and poor old Stephen Hawking would be spinning in his chair right now because technically they haven't gone up minus some freak results. But there's, there's, there's analogies to they gambled on a ground rather than people like Darren Bentz, the show pony signings. You're going to have a ground for 100 years in an amazing bit of the country. Sorry, Crawley, but the nearest teams to Brighton uh, with any support of Southampton Palace, they're a one-county team, much like Newcastle, Norwich, Ipswich. You know, essentially Leeds is one city team. So, so they are very different parallels. And they came out in the paper last year and said, oh, we're using robot economics like Matthew Benham. Uh, and then it went away very quickly. But then they've got, they, they, they've got people like Stephen Sidwell, uh, is having a sort of second, second or third or fifth win probably under them. Uh, people like Solly March, the, 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 the signing from Lewis of three grand. He, he's their DJ Campbell. He scored, scored last week for them. Absolutely amazing. They, they've made the right gambles, like you said. Uh, uh, what do you say? The, 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 the Wong people, the right risk. Are we going to be the Wong people? We're Brentford. <laughs> And, and, and it's interesting we say that. And again, we don't. You know, we're not going to. We're not drawing a parallel again with Brighton at all. Again, we're not drawing a parallel with Brighton. We've said this. We've said this a numerous amount of times. 
again, and I just to bring it up again, because when people always used to slag us off by the way that we used to go about our business by going slightly left field and, and trying to use mathematics, as he calls it, as part of our recruitment process. Brighton have been doing this for ages, but they've kept it down under wraps, everything like that, and they've actually got the benefits from it as well. They've got a bigger, obviously they've got bigger, more finances than us to actually back it, so when they find somebody, um, they can find more expensive people and buy these more expensive people as well, but it's, it's worked for them. It's obviously always the timing of the gamble as well. Brighton went close last year and the season before. Um, they, they knew that if they pushed it a little bit further, they, they probably would finish the job off. Bournemouth went close the season before they went up. They knew that if they spent a little bit more, then they'd finish the job off. We tried to finish the job off when in that first season in the Championship, and that didn't quite happen. The money was there to be spent. It wasn't spent. Last year, we were rebuilding. This year, I would say that we've gone reasonably close. And if someone were to really go for it next year, I would say that's a calculated gamble. So if we do go for it next year and try and do a Brighton, I reckon we've got a good chance of, a chance of pulling it off. The problem is when clubs like Derby, clubs like Derby, <laughs> club, club, clubs like um, you know, Middlesbrough to a certain extent, although it did work for them in the end, um, clubs like Forest and all them lot, they think that they can carry on gambling because it's their divine right. They, their place should be in the, at the top table. It's their right to be at the top table. So they'll carry on gambling and, and overspending, and they're the ones that will go bust. Which is, which is fine, but there's, there is one thing that you cannot buy, and that's stability in the side. So, say for example, like I said, when we went up a couple of years ago, we had the same sort of side we built from that, and we went up because the players knew each other, they built together. It's like Clive said earlier, it's a team. The team's built together. And the fact is that People may look at our, our team or whatever is around there and you might pick out individual players because you're not like this player over that plays for some big club. But the fact is that as a team together, they work together and they've, they've played together maybe now for two, you know, at least a year, year and a half now. And they're going into another season where they're growing together. And yes, some of them may, it's interesting, Holly Geen, he's been absolutely brilliant. Been brilliant, right? The last, you know, two of two couple of months, two or three months, he's been absolutely brilliant. But like I said, I was in the Derby end with a load of Derby fans for the first half last last match. Um, I went up there and I was doing a few bits and pieces in the Derby end. So it's interesting to hear their comments. And they turned around and said to me, "Oh, that, that Harley Dean, bloody hell, he's one of your best players." Then they said, "He's not." A spectacular or fantastic player but he's just really reliable and he just does the right things and it's kind of like they say we haven't got that Derby what we need is we need players in our side that go inside there go out there have the heart and do the right things and that's quite an interesting point and now coming back to what you were saying about one team losing out one season and they're getting it the next season but part of the reason why they do that is because they keep the nucleus of what they're being together and they just move on and the key for us is that after the season where we got to the playoffs we didn't have the nucleus, so our whole team kind of sort of collapsed and then we built again. The fact is that if we're able to keep what we've got together now and move on from there, that is worth its, its weight in gold as far as I'm concerned. Is there a concern? You're looking at teams like, like Card- I mean, Bournemouth may be the exception, but teams like Cardiff and Swansea and Brighton, what have they all got? Shiny new grounds. They've got long-term investment. Is it a bit too early for us to go up? Would we be on a hide into nothing or the financial fair play going up? With Griffin Park, how would we balance the books? We're already we're already treading water in the championship. Um, I, yeah, I get that sort of you know to coin a Harley Dean favourite. We go again, and we didn't really go again because maybe we, we tried to tweak too much and swing swing 
uh, in, in too much of a European fashion. But we, we're definitely laying the foundations to be challenging in the top half. But I don't know. I don't know if everyone at the club, and even the, even in the fan base, we've got a very nostalgic. Uh, fan base, whether, whether they would want their last season at Griffin Park, us getting destroyed 5-0 by Stoke every week. The, uh, the big lesson from QPR's disastrous three years in the Premier League was invest in infrastructure. Don't give it to players, don't make players rich, agents rich, get your training ground sorted, get your ground sorted before you, you, know, you go off spending money on players. And Brighton have done that and I think, I think that's a good point. Well, I'm going to answer, saying, but to answer that question, I'm going to come to you, Laney, in a minute. That is that's a fair point as well, but if the opportunity is there, what do you do? Do you say, actually, tell you something, we're not going to go up this season? Do we, do we just pull back this season? Because I mean, if you're going to go up, you, you just go up, don't you? No, go up, but don't, don't spaff the money on Joey Barton, Stephen Colker, people like that. Go up, bank the money, exactly what Burnley did. They went up, they spent all the money on the new training ground, came back down, have gone up this year and spent the money on players, but the infrastructure's there. But, uh, that's, I don't think that's our style to be honest with Laney. There's no such thing as a crystal ball, and, and, and if there is, well, there is such thing as a crystal ball, but it doesn't actually tell the future. If I was going to predict the future, I would say that Brentford, next season, if we spend, we will be in the playoffs, and we've got that lottery of whether we will progress to the Prem in the playoffs or not, but if, I'd have, if, I'd have, if I would put my money on it and, and we actually do go for it, I would say that next year we will fail in the playoffs and the next year we will go up. And the next year we go up, we will be the first season in the new stadium. I mean, it will be a phenomenal achievement if we do it. The problem we're going to have is that keeping a team together is so important. And the year we got to the playoffs, the team fell apart in many, many more ways than it would or we'd hope to normally. But the teams like us, the best players would always be susceptible to perceive bigger teams and bigger revenues, overspending more than we're willing to do so. And they will pick off the maybe the top three players because players are, players are greedy, they're human beings, agents are greedy, and enforce these moves. That's why it's such a leap for us to be able to keep a team together one year hit 6th place, 7th place, then build on it and go one further whilst paying these what's perceived as lower, lower wages. It's, it's, tough to, it's, tough to, it's tough to withstand. The, fig- the figures are in front of you. What, is it, what did you say the percentage of Brentford spend on wages? 161. To, to, to be where you are now, you're spending that on wages. Until you get to the new ground, I don't think you can go any further than where you are now. Yeah, it's it's we're seeing it already. We're seeing we're losing we're losing players like Bidwell and Button to far smaller teams, and we missed out on George Evans, who who Dean Smith really wanted, and he might have been that defensive midfield answer we were talking about. But he was honest. He said Reading Reading in a heartbeat could double his wages. So that's that's the issue for us. Is not only have we got the competition around financial fair play, we've also got competition on our doorstep at our level. I think if I think if we had a bunch of teams in the Premiership and a bunch of teams in League One or League Two, and we were the only West London club in um, you know in the championship, uh, we, we might we might be able to stake a claim, develop you know have less competition for each other. And, and obviously the problem is at Brentford as well is we're reliant on one man to, to pretty much fund all this. You know we we haven't got parachute payments and, and we haven't we haven't got these huge windfalls coming from anywhere. We got obviously we got tran- we got transfer money coming in, but you know that that's because he's funded the infrastructure to find the players in the first place. So you know. 
it isn't any wonder that he's looking for outside investment, if, if truth, truth be known. Um, so, you know, we, yeah, we, you, I, think, I think you're right. We, we, we don't really want to be committing ourselves as it, as it stands to, to, to any more. 161% of the turnover. That's, that's, it's colossal. And, I mean, from, from a, I mean, I, I kind of come at it from a fan. I, I want to go to a, I already think 161, 166% of turnover are wages. It's already probably too much, really. But do I do I do I lust after Premier League football so much so that I'm willing to put a colour at risk? No way, never. I think the championship's a brilliant level of football, brilliant for this club. And uh, I, if it meant we stayed here for another ten years and sustained that for another hundred years, I'd take it. The Premier League really listen. It's a great ride to go there. I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Doesn't mean more than the longevity of the club. No. Well, as the genius Ian Holloway says, he wants his players to give a thousand percent. So I think us giving one hundred and sixty-six percent of our turnover on wages is pitiful. So anyway, so we we're talking about promotions. But it's easy because we talk about promotion. Let's say congratulations to Brighton. We'll see who else will be there in the promotion race. Obviously, Newcastle are looking quite up there as well. Huddersfield. We talk about Huddersfield and how well Huddersfield have done. If you look at the figures that are up there as well, Huddersfield, even though they have upped the money that they've spent, they haven't spent anywhere near as much as these other teams have there as well. And obviously they've got teams like Leeds United, they've got Sheffield Wednesday, who have uh, are spending a lot more money than they've done. And even teams like Derby, who, as we know, uh, haven't quite got in there as well. So Huddersfield, you know, if they actually make it, um, out of all that lot will be actually quite a miraculous story. But flipping on the flip side of it as well, on the downside, as we say, the, the relegation, because there's always promotion and relegation. And uh, in our league as well, there's relegation where there's a few teams out there who are looking towards relegation. We've obviously got Rotherham who have gone already. They came up with us three years ago. It was a, a little bit too much for them to handle this year. They almost went down last year, but the Warnock came and he rescued them. But this year, it is no more. And then we've got Wigan, who, to be quite honest with you, Wigan are in a bit of problems, actually, because Wigan, they were, you know, Premier League, and then they were around for a little bit. They went down but they went straight back up. But the fact is that they expected themselves to stay up and the problem they've got is that they run out of Premier League um, parachute money this year. So if they go back down, they won't have the massive budgets that they had last time. Um, Aren't they hoping to make some money selling the striker? I will, Greg. No, no. well, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorting this out after the podcast, actually. On the, on the Huddersfield point, I think it's fantastic what they've done and with the budget and the income they've got. Their manager's done a great job. I mean, it's a whole other debate and a whole other podcast probably, but Huddersfield have got two players on loan from Chelsea and one player on loan from Man City. I think Aaron Moy on loan from Man City is about the best in the championship this year. I think he's been incredible. But this doping of uh, lower divisions and foreign divisions by clubs like Man City and Chelsea, they've loaned those players into harmless territory. They said, well, give them to Huddersfield. They won't do any harm to us. Nobody else can have them. They're ours. Izzy Brown, Kachunga... Aaron Moy, Huddersfield are going great guns, and credit to them on the budget they've got. But they're doing it with loan players. Five of their the goalkeepers on loan from Liverpool. You know they've got at least five loan players in every starting eleven. Huddersfield, and that's a. You'll see clubs like that do well as the Premier League keeps this. Uh, clubs like we're we're going to hot clubs like that. You'll see clubs like that do well as the Premier League hoards talent and loans it off into. Um, neutral territory basically Bristol City would have gone down this year if Tammy Abraham wasn't there Chelsea have loaned him to a club that can't do them any harm but the question I've got to say to you though so first of all is that they're going to have to get rid of those players at some stage they'll have to do something with them so they I mean Huddersfield reckon Huddersfield reckon that they've lined up the signing of one of these players already I don't know how true it may be 
to get, do they have to get rid of them? Chelsea got 40 players out on loan this year. Do they have to get rid of any of them? No. It's not like John Swift. I mean, eventually they had to get rid of John Swift because they couldn't keep on renewing his contract. Do you see what I'm saying? So what you end once up doing... His, once his career is over. His career is over. Like, he could have been something. He could have done this, could have done that. He spent so much time going out on loan from Chelsea. Now he's basically a championship or lower player. I like Patrick Bamford as well. It's another one. Lonerfield. 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 Yeah. Lonerfield. Yeah. I mean, they've they've taken over the mantle from us, who were Lonerfield when we were in Division One. We were called Lonerfield by especially Pompey. Um, is it is it Posh? Agent Durham from Talksport. Yeah. Yeah. Agent Durham from Talksport called us Lonerfield because we were doing the loan thing at the time, and it kind of worked for us. But we hear exactly what you're saying because you get the players in. I think we learnt the following year the problem that we had is that we got the loan players in and if you actually kind of got the loan players from nowhere to somewhere brilliant, you can never sign them. You know, and if they were sort of kind of quite average or not below average, then you were able to sign them. So if you're eyeing up playoffs next year in the championship, you kinda of want Huddersfield to stay down this year. Because they'd be lucky to get five as good loans again. And you would doubt whether that manager would stay there. So whereas Chef Wednesday would spend big again, Leeds would probably spend big again, Huddersfield are going to lose five players and probably the manager. So if you're eyeing up that next year, you probably want Huddersfield to stay down. So talking about going down, though, we talk about the relegation spots as well because there's teams in the relegation spots. We talked about the first of the Wigan as well, but the spots there, Blackburn Rovers. And can you believe Blackburn Rovers? They've got parachute, their parachute money as well last year as well. So the fact is that they're right down the bottom with their parachute money. You've got Blackburn Rovers, you've got Nottingham Forest as well, and also you've got Wolverhampton Wanderers. And uh, I think Bristol City are probably out of it now, really, aren't they? And maybe and Burton as well. You know, but, and Birmingham City as well, possibly are dragging themselves into the mire. And, in, and Blackburn as well has stood out on the uh, on the, the figures of being a team with 104 million pounds worth of debt as of last season before last, despite making the most profit on player sales. If they go down, just where does that leave them? The Ex Premier League winners. That's, that's a hell of a lot of chicken nuggets to flog. <laughs> what is the what is the theme with all of these clubs you're mentioning here? Birmingham, Blackburn, Wolves. Forest. What is the theme? Foreign owners coming into this thinking they're just going to chuck loads of money at oh, it and it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, not, to be a li- not to be a little Englander <laughs> about this. QP- QPR. Take control back. QPR, QPR have done it twice over. Like, I mean, the, the ownership at Blackburn, if they don't go down this year, they'll go down next year because the owners don't know what they're doing. But again, and we've, we've mentioned this a lot of time before, you know, is it foreign owners or is it the owners that just happen to be foreign? Because it, it, could, be, because it, could, be any, it could be any rubbish owner, you know. Oyston is, you know, he's not, you know, that's what I say, Oyston. You end up with a Reading where they, they're getting more investment, less they get tons more investment. So many teams, yeah, I think it's a balance. I mean, it, it, it's, it's about rubbish owners coming in who just think that they can throw money because they've got lots thinking, more money. I was thinking today, actually, about this foreign ownership in, in London, and I was thinking, a, a palace, a palace foreign owned? Are they, are they, they're still British owned. So you, so you and the Americans. And the Americans. So you've, you've kind of got AFC, AF, of the league clubs, it seems that AFC Liverpool and Brentford, the only English-owned teams in London now, the two clubs punching above their weight the most in tiny, tiny Victorian stadiums. Indeed. <laughs> in, in, in uh, I mean, I have to say that you know, obviously, there's, there's the delusional 
um, ingredient that comes in there as well. It's the, you know, it's the big club. It's the clubs like us. We deserve to be, and that's you know, it, you combine that with mismanagement. You combine that with overspending. Then, then you get relegation. You know, Mark Warburton really doesn't need um, relegation on his CV. You know, he, he's, he's still lauded at, at, at Brentford for, for absolutely legitimate reasons. What he what he what, what he was part of got him a gig at, at Glasgow Rangers. That, that you know that is in itself is is, is absolutely stunning. To, to go to Nottingham Forest and take him down, it's that that I mean that was never on the cards. I know I know that he's a, you know a banker and he and he, and he ga- you know he's a gambler too to a certain extent. But yeah, in the, in the banker. But you know it. Mark Warburton's career, to, it, it was like, it's a very unexpected turn of events to end up at the city ground, um, a, a team that's won, a club that's won the uh, European Cup on two occasions, and to take them down to League Three. I mean, who, who really would have predicted that? I mean, I, honestly, I, I would never, I, I, I had him down as the next England manager, not, not a team back in League One. I am absolutely amazed that Warburton took that job at Nottingham Forest because nobody is going to do a good job with that chairman at Nottingham Forest to such an extent that Nigel Clough turned it down. And you look at what Nigel Clough's working with at Burton and his connection with Nottingham Forest, the whole family thing, he was there as a player, everything said you would obviously take that job. And Nigel Clough looked at it and said no because the chairman there is an idiot. And again, for Warburton to go in now, I was amazed by that. I don't think they've won any 11 games. They're QPR, they're sort of, we're QPR, they're one of the teams we're banking on just sort of staying below the 50 mark for us. Yeah, Warburton, so he leaves Brentford, his stock is extremely high. He leaves Glasgow Rangers under a slight cloud, but ultimately got them where they needed to go. They won the league and they you know, respectably performed in the Premier League this year. He probably could have waited, held his nerve and got a Norwich-type job the start of next season and gone again. All of a sudden, this job he's taken seems really, really high risk. If they go down and he gets sacked, his next job is uh, Fleetwood or a team with Northampton. He's not, the Championship won't come calling again. The football's what, that's how football is. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's risked a lot. And if he stays up, why are Nottingham Forest going to be any different next year unless that idiot sells it? Why will it be any different next year? There, there is a rumour. I said a rumour around, and I've got to talk to my forest mates that I think somebody else is, is taking over. I'm not 100 percent sure. Again, I, don't, I mean, no one knows what's got, what's going on there. But what happened before Christmas was that he charged someone uh, X number of pounds just to take a look at the books and use that to pay his December wage bill, and then uh, refused to sell to them unless they left him with a 50 percent stake. I mean, it, it's just. This comes back to that fit and proper person test. Instead of financial fair play and everything, the league should enforce a proper fit and proper person test. Ignore financial fair play altogether. Just make sure you've got your right person running your football team. I have heard, though, from a very good source, that Warburton's plan is that in the summer they're going to knock down the city ground and replace it with quite a shitty, ropey old... Uh, Victorian style ground that holds 10,000 and hopefully they can punch above their weight in the same way that he did in the Brentford years yeah, I mean there's only there's only so much room that even the Premiership and the Championship for these billionaires and these big teams and we are one of those tin pot teams hanging around like a bad smell actually getting better and more stable and it, I, I'd be interested to see what, yeah, look, the fact we're talking about next season shows what, what, almost what a nothingness this season is but it will, it will be interesting to see come, come June or whenever the fixtures come out 
how how strong we see the division and how how tough we see our running and how tough it actually is because their teams now like look at look at look look Fulham, Fulham and Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday now they will think they've got a right to be in there now and we 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 can make some a difference to that whole pack. And I noticed we didn't actually uh, mention QPR in this relegation talk because you're uh, just about out the uh, out the picture of it now, are you? Even though maybe not uh, points wise, but maybe maybe just about six points. There is a, a sort of chicken licking the skies falling uh, vibe on the message boards at the minute. We've lost five in a row, and we lost six in a row over Christmas, and I think we'll probably lose this weekend. So if you lose six in a row twice in a season, you pretty much get what you deserve. But I, we are now relying on the incompetence of the teams below us, and uh, Birmingham Forest, Blackburn. You know, can you? Can we see them? I mean, maybe one or two of them are going to win three in a row. There's, there's, there's a big game. There's, there's Black. I think it's Blackburn Wolves next week, which is like huge. That's basically an FA Cup final for relegation. Oh, yeah, you know, we need for QPR to go down. We need to lose all three of our games, which I, I wouldn't put past us at the minute. And we need Blackburn to win two and draw one of their last three and several other clubs to string results together. You know, Nottingham Forest haven't won in 11. We'd need them to win two. You lot will uh, you'll do this as a, as a playback next season if QPR get relegated. <laughs> you can quote me with some music backing. I think, uh, you know, I think we're just about going to be okay through uh, nothing of our own doing. Don't look back into League One. So Mystic Laney is going to get the tarot cards out here. And unfortunately, QPR are safe. Unfortunately, they are. Brist- Brist- mm. Bristol, City, Bristol City are safe. And I say, I say, yeah, no, pretty much. It's obviously all... And it's Burton. All, yeah, yeah, and Burton. You know, we, we've been here... We're, 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 we're long in the tooth enough. We've been here enough to, to know what's probable. You know, it's, it's unlikely that the, the teams that have been awful all season come good. So they're pretty, they're going to be they're going to be average at best. It's, it's down to it's down to Blackburn, Nottingham Forest, and Birmingham for that final one. We're gonna, I would say, we're gonna down. Rotherham are down. It's down to Blackburn Rovers, Nottingham Forest, Birmingham City. And out of those, who do I want to go down every time? Birmingham City. Well, Birmingham City deserve it after the whole Rowett out and Zola in nonsense, and you know Harry moving in, which again is a podcast in itself. But I've noticed that uh, I've noticed who Blackburn have got on the last day, and I know they'll be very keen to turn them over and keep QPR safe. So what have they got? Not over, not overly worried. Oh yeah, that's right. Where are we? Where's Mr. Steve? Who's Mr. Yes, that's right. Bring me my hot chocolate, please. Oh, you're a lovely man. You're a lovely. Man. We're coming towards the end of the season. A couple, of, a couple of weeks to go now, and we have got, at the end of the season, we have got our end of season social. It's at the Drayton Court Hotel, which is a wicked, wicked venue. We're actually very lucky to come across this place and get it for us. Fantastic. We've got uh, Gary Roberts. We've got, we've got Francis Joseph. We've got Billy Manimal. We've got Graham Benstead. We've got comedian Tim Clark. He's actually a beast comedian. You'll see him on the TV and all sorts of stuff. We've got a magician. I keep laughing every time I say the magician. We've got a DJ and we've got beer. We've got um, we've got food. And we actually have even got our own... Well, actually, have we got our own beer? We are meant to. We're meant to have our own beer, aren't we? Well, another fanzine's got its own beer, isn't it? That's right. They've got the old... But We went up to Barnsley on, Sunday, on Monday and... Uh, and what's the name West of the old... Box. The Westside Bogs. They've actually got their own beer behind the bar. 
and I thought that was absolutely amazing. We thought we need to pull our finger out, so we're going to try and make sure that we've got our own beer or a beer or a special Brentford beer behind the bar at the Fair social. Play. We, we, we did have the Pride of West London. We did have some Pride of West London um, beer at the uh, the Christmas social. We, we did, and, and also at the previous social at the Globe as well. So we'll see what we could do. We've only got a couple of weeks to go to actually sort this out, so we and need to ticket, pull the finger out. selling pretty fast. They're so. actually doing all right as well. So, you know, so get inside there, besotted.co.uk. Go inside, there's a big banner. Just click on it. You can get your tickets there as well, or hopefully we'll put it inside the information booth or the information section on this uh, on this podcast. Or it's um, besotted.co.uk slash legends. Um, click on the banner that's on the, um, the homepage of the website and there's a, a, a decent plug, a decent advert going in the programme um, for the QPR game on Saturday. So cheers for the programme staff, comm staff, sorting it out for us. Thank you very much. Thank you much indeed as well. And we're talking about having your own beer because, like I said to you, West End Box, the Barnsley fans had their own beer. We had our own beer at the social as well, but we're also trying to get these fans to, to brew their own beer, aren't we? Yep, I've been tr- I've been trying to drag this one out for a few weeks, and, and, and it, no, you have no interest. Uh, well, no, ah, 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 Granzi, you say no interest? Puns, pun, yeah, puns. He lives in Denmark, yeah. so and beer is really expensive there. It, well, yeah, so there's this duplicity going on here. He wants he, he wants to like partake in this uh, in, in my in my pilgrimage to make homebrew, but um, he's, he's making a milk oatmeal stout. Which, um, is he made it a few weeks ago, though, didn't he? No, no, he started making it. It, take, it takes a little bit of time, Bill. It's not, you know, it's not like a, it's not like Ribena. You don't just pour it in and add water. And he's, it's ferments, and he? you have to, you have to give this thing love. And he's, he's loving his milk stout. Um, a bit like Dean Smith in his midfield. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what I'm hoping for, in, in my, in my vision for next season, there will be maybe six, half a dozen, a dozen Brentford fans who have embarked on homebrew utopia and what they're going to do is they're going to go online they're going to buy homebrew kits and they're going to give some thought and some love to homebrew and then twice a year once at Christmas once at the end of the season we'll all get together and we'll get proper mash-up on bees homebrew or maybe maybe what we could do is something like a, a competition to see who's the best one and have it at the social or see if we can get yeah. pub to sell it you know or, I don't know or do something with it we'll, just get it out there you know, you know what we're like we'll, we'll always try and upscale it so if it's any good we will try and get it in a pub or get it in a, on a social on a podcast or in your house down the brewery down That'd the brewery yeah we'll we're, we're look into it so Fuller's Brewery that is by the way oh yeah Fuller's Brewery but, <laughs> so, so get, get your get your homebrew kits out get your get your sort of sterilising kits out and um Start making beer. Say, I, I, I have said uh, homebrew, uh, middle-aged white man alert. Uh, I have a homebrew kit. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, so I could make up to forty-five pints in a go. So if you want to hold a poll, I will. I will make a bit of, of anything you want. D- d- dictate the flavour. Let's let's let, let's let, let's name it after someone. Name it after a player. Something like that, you know, honey to the bee, the usual stuff. What they do in Birmingham in that pub, what's the pub, the Queen Victoria, where they, they write on the blackboard when, when Brentford fans walk in, they change everything to red and white ale or honey <laughs> brew and, yeah, be, bees beer, and we all buy it like mugs. Yeah, I'd be happy, yeah, if there was a besotted pole, I will make it in time for pre-season. If you want, you've got eight weeks. Get your beers out for the lads, eh? Beers out for the And the lasses. I wasn't expecting pre-season, but... If we can do it for pre-season, let's do it. So, Saturday comes. QPR come to West London. 
for the, is it the second time I've sort of run out. We played them last season, this season. So yeah, it's the second season, second season. You know, and I suppose as it comes, you know, we're probably slightly winning in the in the race. But this is a key match, isn't it? It's a key match. You know, we we, we beat them last season, and we beat them as well at Loftus Road two 0 earlier earlier in the season as well. It's a fantastic match as well. Yeah, they, they did give us a bit of a thumping up at the Loftus Road last season, but we forget about that one. So this one is an absolutely and totally key match to see, you know, who's going to be matching up over the two seasons. So keep your coming down to Brentford on Saturday, and uh, we're gearing ourselves up. The one thing that I will say, and I don't want to put a down on this, because obviously it's great to have like QPR and Fulham in the last two games of the season. Everyone builds this up as a massive, huge, masterful, massive game, all this kind of stuff. But what I've noticed that when it comes down to it is that as time has gone on, you know, QPR has almost come like a little bit like a, another game. It's, it's good to play them, but, you know, we just get used to it. It's just like another old team, really, we're playing, isn't it? Well, this is the, this is the, the first time in all my life supporting a Brentford fan, as a Brentford fan, sorry, I've, I've, I've held QPR up as the game. I've got a lot of family ties to QPR. My, my, my brother's a QPR fan. I've invested emotionally a lot into this picture. But this is the first time in probably, probably the ninth time, well, eighth time of bacon probably in my life. I don't know, maybe ten times. I might have got it wrong. But the first time it feels like we're coming into it as peers. I've always felt that QBR, we've been their poor relation. And I feel that we're, we're on the level this time, you know. Even, even though we're above in the league we were last year, I feel that we're, we're coming to it. We're the same size club in the same part of London. So it's, it's a different dynamic to it, but I'm still no less excited about the game. Um, it's a matter of how, um, how up for it Holloway can get the team. I think Brentford are going to be up for it. I think the fans will be up for it. I think the team at home performing amazingly. I think Holloway has a really hard job motivating that Rangers team. Because earlier in the season, it seemed like... Um, Hasselbank didn't quite get the fact that we were more up for it than they were the players didn't get the derby his job is to convince them it's a big game I think, I think we still know it's a big game despite the fact we wasn't earlier about it being peers and whatnot. Um, I can't wait I'm really excited about the game I'm not going to give my prediction yet I mean Holloway he, he, his predictions he's not great at predictions is he I mean at the beginning of the season he was on Sky TV and he predicted Huddersfield to get relegated below us who are also meant to get relegated this season. Um, as it is, you know, we're above QBR and he's the manager of QBR. So this is one game, I suppose, that he's probably not really looking forward to because all his predictions are going wrong. So like we said to you, we're not going to ask him for the lottery tickets. But, um, you know, I mean, Holloway, what's, what's going on at your club, mate? We had this at Villa the, uh, the other week, Villa beaters, and uh, the chairman was tweeting before the game that he was very determined to beat QBR because Holloway uh, in his... Uh, position as a TV pundit at the start of the year and said that Villa would uh, not make the playoffs would have a bad season he was actually right about that one it's about the only thing he did get right I don't know I don't get I think a couple of things happened Holloway got us going this weird system he plays it started to click and we played very well and we got some good results we won five or seven through February March we were starting to get some optimism for next season and we got to 50 points and the international break happened and it was almost like the season ended there. And the rest of the season would be used for experimenting, you know, trying things out for next season, giving a few players a game. And he's got lost. He's lost what was making us good in, Mar- uh, in February and March. 
And again, you know, suddenly we've lost five in a row, and a couple of those were unlucky, but the last couple we were very poor. Uh, what was making you good, though? We played, uh, we played with high intensity, and we got the ball to good wide players, and we got crosses in the box. And slowly that's drained away into a knocking long balls up to Matt Smith. Uh, and if we do that on Saturday, we're going to get beat because Harley Dean's just going to stand there and head it back, which is exactly what Aidan Flint did at Bristol City on Friday. If we can get it wide, we've got some good wide players and we've got some good midfield players. Freeman's a decent player. Manning's come out of the youth team. is good. Sholek is a good winger. But at the moment, he's basically a newer and Lynch who are poor footballers, punting the ball long to Matt Smith and just hoping for the best, which is back to what was happening under Hasselbein. He's just sort of lost his way a bit in this what we thought was an experimental period for next season and actually as the teams behind us have come up on the rails and we've lost every game it's, it's not quite <laughs> gone as we, as we thought it would I, I can't see anything other than a, a pretty lame defeat on Saturday to be honest it's, it's uh, interesting you say that when you hit 50 points the players switched off I wonder if um, you know in very recent years you've had a reputation as being a team for the mercenaries is there some sort of uh, staying up bonus which was gave to the squad. They've hit their target and they've all switched off. I mean, this would be in tune with recent QPR behaviour. It would. It? I mean, QPR are actually getting better. I mean, you can look at the, the figures that have come out. We are, we are getting better. We are being run better as a club. Les Ferdinand's a very good director of football. He's got a hold on it. And uh, we've hired the chief executive from Burnley, Lee Hughes, and he's got a hold on it. And we are getting better. What, what things has he done? Because interesting, you talked about this earlier, about the costs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the sort of wage bill and whatever at QPR, but... You know, the wage, the wage bill went from £63 million in our Premier League season, which was only uh, 18 months ago, to £36 million this year. So to, to do that, to get rid of that many people, um, you know, the revenue came down from £44 million. They are getting there. And I mean, it's interesting because you said the wage bill in the championship, the, the year that you went up, that was something ridiculous, was wasn't it? It was the highest. Until Newcastle this year, Newcastle are probably going to beat it. But the year that Redknapp got us promoted in the last minute, luckily, in the playoff final, was £82 million with about £20 million worth of transfer fees on that. So we spent £100 million trying to get out of this division before. So we're better run than that. We're not as good, we're not as well run as a lot of it. And just to give a comparison, our wage bill, I mean, and we think it's quite hard because it's about, num- about number 10 or 11 in the league. Is, uh, I think it's about 15, 16 million last year. And uh, QPRs was 100 million the year that they went up. Yeah. So it just goes to show you the madness that was going down. Yeah, so we are better run than that, but we're still not there. And you see Jake Bidwell plays well at Brentford, comes to QPR and doesn't play quite so well. It, may, it You know, we're not there. But it did look a, a couple of months ago like we, the Hughes, the Ferdinand factor, and then Holloway was getting us right and the results were going well suddenly you know this experimental period April was always going to be a hard month like we've had Derby away Villa away Brighton at home Brighton obviously getting promoted Chef Wednesday might get promoted we've had them at home Bristol City away they're playing well now and now you guys the, the, your toughest game it's a tough, it's a tough month it's a tough month so we were never likely to get many points from this month but the way we've gone to this sort of knocking it long to Matt Smith knocking it long to Silla and hoping for the best you know, that's not what we were doing well through March. And what it does is it burns off Holloway's support for next season. So it only needs us to start badly next season. And suddenly, we're going to be second to manager again. 
we're going to be changing managers, having spent the whole summer letting this manager, you know, and the whole season starts yes. on, and the whole season yes. starts yes. on. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it, we, we just need to get over the line. You will put Doctor Who up front. I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know about go. I don't know about Holloway. Everybody really wants it to work. But when it worked at QPR before, um, he had Kenny Jacket as his assistant, who was a sort of straight man. He was the tactics, he was the planning. Straight jacket. <laughs> and he, you know, he did the planning, he did it's the tactics. That's not ta- what we've heard in the song. So, uh, well, uh, <laughs> he did the tactics, he did the planning, and Holloway did the whole, you know, get them all pumped up and off we go. And this time it's, it's Holloway and Bertram and Curtis Fleming, who was coaching at I've just got to ask you a question, because it's very important to us as well. Bertram, has he still got bird shit on his head? Uh, no, he's... Uh, I don't really know where to go with it. No, uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember that, obviously. No, it was, no, no, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I remember. 2000, was it 2002, something like that, when Brentford played QPR and, or three, and Bertram had the blue hair on, and Brentford fans were singing, you got bird shit exactly, on your head. Yes, exactly. I do remember that, but I think the thing you're going to remember about Bertram is he's obviously enjoyed his retirement when you see him on... When big, you, big, big Mark Bertram. Big Mark Bertram. Yes. Yeah, when he's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, probably should have said that. <laughs> but, you know, B&B. Holloway and Bertram and Fleming, it's like it's three people who are the same sort of people, whereas before it was Holloway giving it the big and a jacket, putting the checks on it, putting the tactics in it, and you just wonder whether he needs that person there as his assistant. I get you the, He's tried to experiment. It was the right time to experiment, and I still think we'll be fine on fifty points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've seen, I've Famous seen. Last words, but, yeah. but the last two games. I mean, we were all over the place. Players rotating through positions. Players coming over to the bench during the match, asking what's going on. You know, we lost two one at Bristol City and two one to Sheffield Wednesday. And honestly, if they'd both been four one, that would have been a much fairer reflection on how the games went. So. I'm, I'm not very confident ahead of And it's interesting, and I've seen Holloway in action as well, sort of got sort of quite close on, and uh, it did make me laugh because I was just seeing him, and what he does, he shouts a lot, doesn't he? He, he absolutely just shouts and rants, and he starts shouting and ranting. He's, he's a better manager than he was with us before. He was basically, before it was 4-4-2, big man, little man up front, two cloggers in midfield, two wingers, and that was it. Yeah. So he's a better, you know, I think the job he did at Blackpool, I think that should be talked about up there with Danny Wilson at Bars is one of the greatest ever things to get Blackpool into the Premier League that was amazing to get Palace promoted everyone says oh it was Dougie Friedman's team he was in charge there for a long time he got a good pal you know that was a good job so I think he's come on as a manager but often I think he's trying to show how far he's come as a manager oh I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to make these changes during the game we're going to do this we're going to have four or five different plans and in the end the team just sort of resorts to a panicked knock it we've got a big man up front knock it long I was going to say yeah he seems like a real form manager he is to Shepherds Bush what Martin Allen was to Hounslow High Street you know when the going's good it's great and when the going's bad it's bad and this is, like Jimmy Mack said, this is it's almost more in expectation for the first time than hope that we will win. Uh, although, ultimately, it's almost meaningless. The next two games suddenly decide um, the top of the table and the, and the bottom of the table. And um, it'll be really interesting to see which of the two clubs feel they're in a better position come the first week of August next season. If Brentford play any, anywhere like they have done at home in the last four or five games 
we'll wipe the floor with QPR. And, that, and it's not because it's QPR. Obviously, I hope they raise their game even more because it is QPR. But we, we've been passing our way round the best teams in this division for a long time. Newcastle, we should have got a point out of, if not one. Brighton, we should have beaten. We got a draw. Villa we smashed. Villa we smashed. Derby we smashed. Leeds we smashed. Um, we, Sheffield Bristol Wednesday, City. we went away and we won. So we, we uh, Bristol City, we we we, we beaten teams that can play football. I'm not, not including Bristol City that can play football, but we we, we can play. Forest, and, yeah, Forest. But so QPR, regardless of it being the London Derby, have got everything to worry about. They're not going to go down, which is good in my eyes, because we've got two more London derbies next next year. Fulham aren't going to go up either, because we're going to take three points off of them on, on, on the following week. It's, fu- it's, it's funny. It's funny how these fixtures come out because they were earlier in the season they were two Friday night televised games, Friday to Friday. So we had QPR away at Loftus Road and Fulham at home. We, we, we rose to the occasion at Loftus Road and we played really flat against Fulham at home. Fulham were a good team. I see it. I see it differently, slight, differing slightly. Neither games are on TV. I, I, I do, you know, and it's not being bravado. I see us beating QPR because currently we are great at home and our football is superior to pretty much anyone in this division at the moment. And but I, I think, I think the, the players will be up for the QPR game and we will beat them. It won't be comfortable. It'll be, it'll be edgy. But I think, I think the game that the Brentford players will be up for massively is Fulham away. I think it'll be up for both of them, but I think Fulham away is the one that they, we will go there and we will take the piss. And the fans as well, of course. Um, I'm going to um, I'm going to pull out punches here on uh, QBR, not on the club, but on Ian Holloway. I think he's a cheerleader. Ooh. I think he has um, got the job and reputation because they were, they were a club in dire straits and they needed someone who the fans could unite behind, and he was the obvious choice. So you've got a cheerleader in charge who's balancing two careers as this weird sort of wacky Chris Kamara replacement TV personality stroke manager pundit guy and a serious football manager who has then come back to the club he loved who probably has had a bunch of players who have been heavily weighted financially to stay up. They've hit the 50 point mark, all of a sudden switched off. How much of that, of that is to him? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think the guy's out of his depth. I think he's part of sell by that as a manager. Uh, and it's, it's not about QPR, really. I think he's now on a downward trajectory already as their boss. I think we turn him over on Saturday. QPR will start again soon. Oh, I'm not sure if Clive is too happy with that. I think he might think he's a little bit um, below the belt, isn't he? Not, not necessarily. I've gone in. <laughs> I've gone in, Clive. I've pulled no punches. <laughs> not necessarily. I think... It, when, he, when the appointment was made, uh, I, I described it as an appointment no other club in the championship would have made. If any, if any other championship club had sat their manager that week, who else would have been in for Ian Holloway? None of them, I don't think. Well not. Nobody would have appointed Ian Holloway when we appointed Ian Holloway. And he, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, he's got the club connection, he's done well there before. Like I say, he did very well at Blackpool. I think you know. I think he's underrated in in that respect. That he did he did well with Palace. Uh, he did well with Blackpool. He did well with QPR before. He's got the QPR connection, but it is an appointment that no other Championship club would have made. And I think he's he's so paranoid and uh, 
caught up with this idea that people don't rate him. I think it, it plays on his mind and he tries to be too clever for his own good. We've got the players. We've shown at Reading and Birmingham away this year. We were brilliant. We just go Reading, who might get promoted this year. We were far better than Reading. He set the team up, played in a nice, simple way. We got the ball wide, we got crosses in, and we won the game. But he's got caught up in this idea that we have to plan for every opponent. We have to have plan A, B, C, D. We have to be doing this. And the players panic on it and just knock the ball long to the man up front. And I... I, just, I, I hope it goes well I hope it goes well but what I fear is we're going to limp to the end of this season stay up through other teams incompetence we'll let Holloway do his business over the summer and then come September October we'll have burnt off all the support with this run that we're on now and again we'll be sacking the manager we'll be changing mid-season and next season will be wasted as well which next season coming back to the earlier discussion is the last one of our parachute payments so next season it's sort of shit or bust for us and to waste it like that again would be a shame have you ever tried to watch your old man work an iPhone after a couple of pints? I think, I, I think that's, that, that's the feeling I get of Holloway. And we've got a total opposite of Dean Smith. And we've got, we've, we, we don't have a personality. Actually, we, we have the anti-Holloway in Dean Smith. We have minus personality. Um, uh, but then, we've got, all, well, then we've, all, uh, we've got a team behind and around the team. Um, yeah, and I, 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 think, I think it could be a sea change. It will be really, really interesting to see... How uh, at the end of the season, if Fulham if Fulham miss out, how, will they regroup? Will, will, will we suddenly decide to go for it, or will, will this be the, the third season, the hat trick of settling, or will QPR implodes? Um, Somebody made a point on our message board the other day. If anybody asks Holloway a question in an interview, what follows is a three-minute sort of ramble of anecdotes and weirdness that doesn't really answer the question. And in the last three or four games, that's what his team has looked like. Just as, and I, he started off with an idea of this is how the team's going to line up. We're playing Bristol City and we'll do this. Oh, and by the way, this and also this and by the way that. And have I told you about the time that? And in the end, the team just sort of, it's a real mess. And it takes key players out. You know, key players don't get the ball at all. Well, Smith gets, you know, we just knock it long to Smith. It's, it's really odd and a shame. Yeah. Um, Ian Holloway, for me, Ian Holloway seems to be working on his, like, his um, after-dinner speech circuit, his, which is going to be his career after maybe one more job. You know, he's, he's become a West Country parody. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a fool. Um, you know, he, he, he doesn't, you know, he's had, he's had his day, I think. I think, I think Jim, Jimmy... Jimmy went for the juggler. I'm going for the throat now. And uh, no, I, I just, I just find him a bit of a mug. I think. Listen. <laughs> right. Listen. 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 Punches on the fence, Dave. Stop sitting on the fence. It's fair enough, and you might. It's fair enough, and you might be right. But five games ago, everyone at QPR was very optimistic because suddenly all of this stuff that he was saying came true, and we could see it. And the team lined up well, and we played well, and we got results. The championship, there's a game every other day. So we've suddenly lost five in a couple of weeks. A couple of them we were unlucky in. We've had injuries and whatever. So it could easily turn around again. So maybe, maybe he will turn out to be, you know, the new messiah or whatever. But, you know, equally you, equally you could be right. But the other thing is, I mean, who is better out there that QPR would realistically apply? So listen, so listen, so I'm going to ask a question. And we're going to go around the table here because we've got the QPR game now and everyone is just throwing the punches and they're giving it the largeness and everything like that that's going on. 
Score predictions around the table now. Laney? 2-0 uh, Brentford. Yeah, I've got stuck in, but I think it'll be um, a bit closer than I said earlier. 2-1 Brentford. I think we'll lose 2-0, uh, but we'll get something off Forest the week after, and we'll li- that'll, be our, that'll be us done. If Wurzel Gummidge sends out Jake Bidwell to Mark Yotta, I think we'll win 2-0. It seems to be a bit of a bit of a all round the shop here. I think two 0 to Brentford here for the for the for the for the B as well. So, or, or it could be more, and, and that's not being greedy. You know, we we, we scored four against yeah. Derby. It could be it could be at least that. I'm not going to go for the, I'm not going to go for the greed. I'll, I'll settle for the two 0 like, yeah, you know The only consistency we keep here at the minute is we only ever lose by one goal. We lose all the time, but it's only ever by one. So, so two 0 So two 0 is good. So listen, good old chat here in the Banker Pub, just in the river. Um, just by the river, in uh, just down from Monument Station. Absolutely fantastic. The takedown is really well. So if you're in the city, come down here, sit here by the river like what we've done. Look over at the boats coming past. The bridge is illuminated on the other side as you go over to South London. La, la, la. South London, la, 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 as well. And um, like I said, we've got a big game on Saturday. It's QBR. Don't forget to pick up the tickets for the socials. It'll be wicked. Fantastic. Great laugh. Just go to thebesotted.co.uk and click on that banner. You can get hold of your tickets as well. Like I said, they're flying out. And it's going to be a proper joke as well. But other than that, like I said to you, very much looking forward to Saturday. Big West London derby. QBR coming down. Sold out their allocation. Bees have uh, pretty much almost sold out. I think there's about 100 tickets left as well as well. And season tickets, I think there's only about five days left as well we have to say for you to reserve your seat from the season tickets as well. And also, myself and Laney, uh, last few days, our eyes have been goggled. You know, they've just been looking at film. We've got like about, I think there's about 120. Yeah, of just film. We've been filming the last couple of months and we're doing some stuff, like I said, for Brentford, about what Brentford's about, about how much you love Brentford and season tickets and just how much you love Brentford. So you check that out. Hopefully in the next few days you will see something that's going to be out there, which is going to be the first of a few films that we're going to put out there, which is basically just reflecting on why fans love Brentford, but from a very much from a fan's point of view. And hopefully you're going to like that as well. But we're going to come back besotted. Pride of West London podcast from the banker. Thanks for taking care of us. Absolutely teething tremendous. But well, we're going to come QBR coming on Saturday. Look, Clive, he's over there. He's looking very nervous. His tapping is not as fast as our tapping because we're potty for it. And he's actually, he's, he's just, he's a slow. He's as slow as their, 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 their left and their right backs. So we're going to do, yes. Are we coming for it? As we say in this pub, come on, newbies. <laughs> Up the arse! Up the arse! Up the Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.